The Razor Show is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real-time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. Now, here in New England, they finish with three of four at home. Three of four home games for the Pats down the stretch at Gillette. Great opportunity to dive into that GameTime app and see what they've got to offer. Tickets will be available. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to The Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. Here we go. It's the Razor Show. I'm Matt Chatham. Good morning, folks. Uh, recording this on a sleepy, snowy Monday morning after a bad loss on the road in Houston. Everyone's pissed off. Uh, I was pissed off getting about four-ish hours of sleep before I'm turning around, getting up, trying to watch this thing, and really, really wanting to break it down for you folks. And uh, I'm through the broadcast of the game, but to me, it's kind of like... You know, looking through a keyhole at another keyhole or something. The broadcast copy sucks. And I know that as a fan, you're like, shut up, Chad. What, what does that matter? Just just tell us what you saw. And all I'm trying to tell you, folks, is I, I feel this obligation to get something out to you relatively quickly. Uh, you know, as much as I can watch the game back after a slight bit of rest, after getting in, you know, after 1 o'clock from Ness and late night stuff. But... Um, I, what I struggle with is not being able to see the whole field because the broadcast has turned into this sort of like fairy tale story time thing where uh, you know the the, the two man booth just talks back and forth over graphics. Uh, the replays are few and far between. Third down plays, uh, an incompletion happens, and they go right to commercial. And I'm like, "What the fuck? You can't see. You can't see what happened." So, I mean, I have this own sort of like, uh, you know, and it's, you guys know I call college games, so you know, I, I do that for ESPN. I've been doing that for years on the weekends before these Patriots games. So I kind of have a good sense of how a, a, a better broadcast could go so that we can sort of, you know, show the fans. You know, last week's example, I was doing the Buffalo Bowling Green play. Big play happens. we got to show it back, show you how it happened, show how the defense screwed up or show how the offense really nailed it. But that's, that's, that's not for just the hardcore fans. I think that's for any sort of latent fan that just wants to know what happened. <laughs> and over and over and over again last night, there's a failure, no question. It happened way too often, especially in the first half and then maybe first half of the second or the third quarter. But man, I'm sitting here going, okay, uh, the broadcast just told me uh, there was uh, nobody open. Well, I could only see half the screen because the rest of it flicked off every route that went deeper than seven yards. And I know that's not accurate for one route I saw, although Brady looked the other direction and they didn't complete that one. So okay, is that really what happened? But you know, you wake up the next morning and you know people are going to call into radio shows, people are going to write columns that they have to write quickly on no sleep without rewatching the game. It's just, it's just not a, a really good mechanism by which to sort of figure something out. So um, we're all handcuffed here, folks. So I'm going to give you my impressions. Uh, I've got a pages of notes here throughout the game. And rather than just read them back to you, I'll go off my second round impressions, if that's any good. Uh, as you sort of go throughout the week with me um, in my column with The Athletic, in uh, the videos that I post on my Twitter feed at Chatham58, uh, and the stuff that I'll do with Nesson in the evenings, um, 
we'll get into the the real stuff as the information comes out. But I'd as much as anything, I'd like to put out some some initial fires that I think are sort of the three pillars that I often see, uh, the three sort of uh, legs to the stool kind of deal that. Uh, I think people fall back on these a lot. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, when problems happen in a football game, and football is complex, it's extremely complex. If you don't have experience in it, um, even at the high school level, which, you know, there's a lot, you know, like college level, people that have lived and eaten and breathed this stuff through failures, through successes, things like that, it's a process, man. And the, the cause and effect of why something doesn't work usually doesn't fit in these three stool legs. But it's all people have, I think, a lot of the times, and it's it's completely understandable if you're a passionate fan and you're trying to figure out a lot of shit happened. That was 70 plays. How do I sum up 70 plays into a sentence? And you say, well, Tom doesn't trust anyone but Jules. Well, that, that's not it. Um, there, there there, are many, 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 I keep saying the word many plays where that doesn't have anything to do with the way the play broke down. Um, there are people, the other leg, you'll hear the, the, the Tom trust has been one of the legs this year. Another leg is, uh, just not enough talent at the receiver position. And that sort of weird cult that wants Antonio Brown back on the team for some reason is so bizarre and weird. And, you know, it's not in a basement, it's in a basement's basement and weird garb in the middle of the night and, you know, secret knocks at the door to, it's just so weird, but whatever. The the idea of guys not being open and needing more talent, that's complete nonsense. Absolute freaking nonsense. And I can find those plays. Uh, I put a little video out on Twitter before I was done with the complete game. I was midway through the second quarter and was seven plays in. Uh, I've got 18 right here right now. 18 right now where you have someone wide ass open. And, and that's giving myself some sort of uh, some pad here because I can't see the second half of the route. <laughs> I can't see anything deeper than basically 10-yard depth because that's all the broadcast is showing. 18 plays here where that has absolutely nothing to do with there is someone open and there's either a protection breakdown that marries with it or just a quarterback decision not seeing it not sliding and resetting not getting to that part staring at some other part that maybe wasn't open but I thought the broadcast did a dog shit job and I think it's you know if you're an analyst I got to analyze all of it I think part of it is reining back in some of these stories that were sort of pushed down a hallway by a broadcast team that was not breaking down the game was not trying to get to the cause and effect just wanted to tell stories and look at graphics graphics and uh, play elements and do the goofy sort of 3D shit between plays, and that doesn't help you understand it. And in fairness, again, uh, uh, I don't know how the hell I, I, I can completely take you to the end line either because that's what I have to watch back to figure it out. So I think the greater thing here, oh, I'll get to the third leg. What did I do? So so the doesn't trust, blah, 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 doesn't have enough weapons, blah, 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 bullshit. And then I'd say the, other th- the third leg is – more to this idea that, uh, I don't know, what would the third be? We need a third leg. Maybe it's just a two-legged stool. Maybe, they, maybe that's where people's, maybe, they, maybe that's what really doesn't work. Two-legged stools. You know, you'll, you'll always fall down on a two-legged stool. I'll come up with what the third is. Maybe with the third is, you know, the, the defense being exposed or some nonsense like that. So uh, if it's a full-team thing, there you go. There you have three, you have three uh, wobbly legs upon which to fall down. So I wanted to go into this game, though, and, and, and come up with umbrella terms or umbrella phrases that help you sort of have a more educated opinion on what the problem is. It's not to say there isn't one. You will not get that from me on this show. I was watching the game in the green room up at Nesson with freaking 10 TVs on every wall and uh, with some of the other hosts uh, at Nesson there kind of going through it. And yeah, I was frustrated. You're throwing papers and you got to protect a little bit better. Oh my gosh, why why make that mistake in that situation? Wait a minute, what is going on in this this extra point that becomes, uh, I'm sorry, this is a 
two-point attempt that becomes a delay that becomes an extra point miss. And, you know, holding in this situation that we have one drive here where the Patriots had three penalties on a drive where they'd actually move the ball really well between those penalties. It's just all the little things you can't do to win on the road, especially against a talented team, especially a talented team that's pretty inconsistent themselves. I think you help grow consistency sort of into their veins by pumping it full of your own inconsistencies. It just wasn't a really, it was a very, very frustrating performance. So, okay, here's what I would say. And I wanted to give you sort of these big blanket terms before we dive into a few plays that are particulars. This is my my rewatch and my attempt to to sort of put big big phrases over the top of something that would make sense. You can't find one other than they need to execute better. And it is it is somewhat amazing that Belichick goes to the podium with that. Brady goes to the podium with that. Brady comes to his morning radio show with Greg Hill with that. Uh, you hear Devin in postgame with that. You hear James White in postgame with that. Uh, you hear, I, we were sitting listening through, sifting through the audio, and, and they, they know why they're screwing up. You know, they know the problem. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's yet fixed. Need great weeks of practice, and then actually to put the practice onto the field uh, before any of that stuff really matters. But it's execution, and I know that I know that phrase drives people nuts. You're like, well, that's not good enough. I need to hear something more pointed, I guess, or more accusatory than execute better. Because it'd be great if you can just say the quarterback's no good anymore. Uh, I need that. I need that for. I need that to feel good when I go to work, or uh, and I talk about it with my buddies or my girlfriends, or I need, uh, you know, um, one other one. Uh, you know, they don't have enough weapons. Oh, my gosh, Antonio Brown, and uh, they didn't get a tight end to replace Gronk, and blah, 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 blah. But listen, the reality of those kinds of angles is, is that it's just, it is accusatory. It's as if um, they've made choices to put them in a situation now where it couldn't have worked against Houston, and that is complete fucking bullshit. There are so many plays here in this game where if you're 5% better at one position, 10% better at another position, the play works. There are people open. There are, but you know, again, I think it was just too much of um, you know the greatest quarterback ever, not playing at that level. Uh, the a really good offensive line that is in flux. You know, had a right tackle that's been really sick for two weeks. Left a series to go get an IV in this game again. You lose your center in game. It's just. You know, it's just too up and down with the protection. They blocked really well in the run game. I think I should at least hit on that before we leave. But they blocked really well in the run game. Over 140 yards, five yards of carry. I mean, a good day. Really good day at work on the ground. But uh, unfortunately, they had, were in chase mode because defensively they didn't hold up a couple different times. Two times in a row uh, early enough in the game where... Yeah, the run production, you just had to kind of chase your way out of it because you put yourself in too much of a hole. But I think that is a little silver lining to what this team can be going forward if they stop digging holes offensively, stop having these boneheaded sort of series where they miss badly on open concepts or they don't protect well enough for Tom to find that concept or they choose a concept that can't possibly work in that situation. So it's coaching, it's playing, it's protection, it's throwing, it's route running, it's all this stuff. There's really no, if you're trying to find one thing, I think that's in itself a fool's errand. It isn't one thing. It literally is execute better. So if your overall sense is, hey, that's not good enough. That's a mediocre offense right now. That can't win a Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. But if your extension from that correct uh, thought is they'll never get it right. They can't get it right. They don't have the people to get it right. They're doomed. Well, that's in as, uh, in as much of uh, itself bullshit as if you were to say that there is no problem. You know, it, it's as much sort of putting your hands over your eyes and ears uh, to say that that can't be fixed 
it, that's complete fucking nonsense. It doesn't hold up to review. When when you can find a play where literally everyone is covered and the protection is perfect and the quarterback just has nowhere to go with the ball, well, then we have another conversation. But there are so very few of these plays like that in this game. It's Really think of it this way, folks. I think this is a really nice, nice, tidy way to think of the good teams, the good offensive teams in the NFL right now. Uh, those that run the football, that put defenses on their heels, and then off that, play off, make plays off play action, make plays in their spread, make plays in their third and reasonables. Those are the teams that kill people. Um, but you have to have three elements working in concert. You have to have a quarterback make the right decision and execute the throw. You have to have a protection that marries with it as well, and you have to have the receivers run good routes. And I, there have been throughout the course, there was throughout this course of this Houston game, too many instances where one of the three wasn't good enough. And if your idea here is, well, damn it, then they need a whole new offensive line. All those guys suck. No, no, those are those are good players. Like we've seen them play well together. I get some of the end game inconsistency, but this organization has usually been great at overcoming that. And right now it's just too up and down, too roller coastery. And even if you just have three bad series of eleven or whatever on a day, that's too much if um, the other side gets hot and it happens to sort of complimentary football you on the other side and score uh, against the defense. Uh, so I think there were way too many of these situations where the Patriots defense got to stop. The Patriots got defense, three and out, start the game, three and out, perfect. And then the offense drove, 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 and then stalled in the red zone. Uh, and I'll go over that particular play here in a moment. But the biggest, biggest issue here is I think just being able to sort of simply state that uh, my view, my, my strongly held belief here that uh, I, I and again, it, there is some trust and bias here because I, I believe that Josh McDaniels is, is a really smart coordinator. They will look at all the same stuff I'm looking at and they'll come up with better solutions. Or they will just rep and drill the hell out of this shit a, until they start executing them. Because there, there's one big thing that's different before a coach. If, if, if it's executed as good as it possibly can be, and that's it, and that's all you got, well, then, yeah, you got a serious problem. But when a play is not executed well from the quarterback level, from the from the protection or from the route, you have to pinpoint which of the three of the problems and fix those things. And the problem with this is you have a lot of open receivers in this game at moments where the protection wasn't good enough or moments where the protection was good enough and the quarterback went another way. So how do you get it all figured out. How do you sort through the mess? And that's where the real pros come in. And fortunately in New England, you've got some of the best of the best. Belichick will cut through the bullshit and say, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That is why the fuck can't we re execute that better? Let's fix that. And you've got Josh, who's very creative and will abandon something that's not working in a minute. That doesn't mean you can't get out of the game. And, you know, before you realize these things, sometimes it happens through video study and then sort of reconfiguring a plan. But, you know, you heard, the, you heard Coach Belichick go right to this. We got to coach better. In other words, we're we're putting some stuff out there these guys aren't putting together. So we got to get the stuff that marries better with them. So those if you understand that uh that there are moments in professional football, and we can go around the league to other spots and say, hey, you've had eight weeks in a row with this this line can't protect this quarterback or this quarterback just can't get it done even with the protection or this receiving crew is just too easy for the defensive backs to sort of jog alongside. None of those things, three things have anything to do with this particular offense. You have an offense that made a decision um, midseason to change itself. Uh, they knew they were going to get a rookie wide receiver first rounder back. They knew that they were going to change over from Josh Gordon to Mohamed Sanu, who then got injured, who came and played really well, then got injured, now returns. They made another decision to uh, to 
start using more two tight ends, which they did real well with a week ago, which they kind of got away from in this game. Uh, they've not yet really made a decision to target them much, uh, which has been a problem. And they've had a lot of up and down play from the offensive line as it's been sick and unhealthy and back and forth and back and forth, left, right, center. Uh, one of the guards occasionally, it's just, it's just been mind-blowing. It keeps your head spinning. So now, the reason I know you guys tune into this particular pod is I'm not going to tell you it's all okay, but I'm also not going to tell you something that's very, very solvable is unsolvable just because it's easier to say it. It's very easy to say, oh, they suck. Uh, these guys can't get open. I mean, look, the easiest thing in the world. I, I don't need to watch the game if I just wanted to say that and not find out if I was full of shit for saying it. Uh, those things don't hold up. So what's next? What happens next? You got to go back and you have to practice and you have to perform better. So as we go into this next week against the Chiefs, and I'm trying to sort of give you my view on things, the big, 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 giant question mark that will remain unanswered is, will they do it? Can they do it? Hell yeah. Are you, I'm going to be able to study a defense that has issues with X, Y, and Z. Can the Patriots do X, Y, and Z? Yes. Will they do X, Y, and Z? I don't know. You know, because of the inconsistency. We saw what the Patriots offense can easily do in two different facets of the game. And it can be effective against a good defense. They can run the hell out of the football. That is a good, good development in the last two weeks. What can they do with that? Where can they sort of turn the offense around that? to build and sort of change things. The other is the way they move the ball in the second half and spread. And again, folks, it's not, I hope you don't got, I hope you didn't go home with the idea here. And this is, this does, this does hold up on study. It wasn't as if the Patriots were just seeing three-man rush, drop eight, drop off the defensive backs and off coverage from 10 or 12 yards. You're getting prevent, blah, blah, blah. That's just why they walked down the field for those three scores. That wasn't it at all. That The, the, the Texans were still in their general stuff. Tempo changed a little bit. Brady got more comfortable with several guys. Uh, he did a much, much better job of executing some of the exact same concepts they missed on in the first, into the first, second drive of the second quarter. Uh, those same route concepts they couldn't hit on earlier, they hit on later. And, and that is, I think that's probably the part where you can hear the little of the frustration in my voice because it it's it's a signal that no this isn't an issue of not able to do it it's but it's that early when it's absolutely critical to do it so you don't put yourself in too big of a hole you need to be able to do it then so I I would say the, a rewatch of the game was almost uh, strengthens the view that they can do this and it's so much more frustrating that they're not doing it because I saw them later on do the things they earlier failed on so. Uh, that's that's kind of where things are with the Patriots offense. So if you can hear the frustration in my voice, um, you know it, it's going to be in that team meeting room with them as well. It's going to be in sort of the, the you know sporting world's greatest competitor from Tom Brady, and hopefully he's as is self critical as he is trying to figure out how to how to make things better because I think there are definitely moments where he falls in love more so this year than we saw him a year ago or many many years in the past of looking at parts of the route concept, falling in love with it, and missing something else. I don't usually say that about Brady, but it's it's kind of what's been going on with Tommy a little bit lately, and it's it's disappointing. But I don't take that piece of information. I don't take the ten or twelve plays or whatever it is where I saw that happen that led me to believe that you know that led me to make that sort of cloud statement over it. I, I say that, and right next to it, I say, yeah, but in a minute, he can stop doing that. And, and you, you just go down those last two drives of the game, really three, and he's not doing any of those things. So that's why it, it, this is such conflicting information, where I think if you take a, a very true standalone piece of information, here is Tom Brady 
uh, you know, throwing it to the wrong part of the route, missing an open guy, uh, not seeing the open guy, uh, making a weird decision, uh, you know, throwing a, a ball that's one yard less accurate than we normally see him throw or something along those lines. And then if you go from that and say, therefore he's done, therefore the cliff, therefore they're screwed, therefore blah, 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 that's when it gets like, okay, you had the initial piece of information. We're all on the same page there. That's accurate. It's just what you do with it from there. Should there be, uh, I don't know, is it, is it, does it make 100% to say, yes, but of course all that these things are happening, they will all cease, everything will be wonderful, don't worry about it. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I think there's, uh, and I've, I always have sort of uh, ribbed the, the concerns people and the shoe pissers and all that kind of stuff because I think there were early points in the year where if you were doing that, you just must have wanted to do that. The idea of, of having wet shoes a month ago, there were not a lot of indications that what happened last night would happen last night. Last night was a really, really, really bad offensive start to the game, other than the first drive that does end in three. Uh, but that was a nice drive, but it wasn't ended uh, as it should have been. So, again, I hope I've – and I know that's a little bit circular there, but I want to give a greater sense of what is going on, in part because we know this. If you've been following the Patriots or listening to me over the almost 10 years now since I've been done playing – this is we're used to a stinker or two a season, and there've been obviously a couple stinkers with the losses. They were just bad games, uh, but there's also win stinkers. You know, games where they won, but you've got difficult stuff to plow through. There's always going to be a couple of those a year. So I think we're at the point where you've had two stinkers that ended in losses. You've had a couple offensive stinkers where the win still happened because the defense played lights out. So we're not seeing things that don't often happen. I think it's what or what sort of exit people want to take from that information. Do they want to see those things as they've always seen them and before and know that the calendar is a year later for Tom and, and just deduce that, well, then nothing that did happen before will happen now? I think that's a mighty, mighty logical leap to take that isn't necessarily historically supported or, you know, it's not as if there's a, a room bereft of people that can solve these problems because that's not true either. So a lot of this, I think, ultimately comes down to the personality of the person getting the information. Are you a, a doomsday person? Do you see one, you see seven rainy days in March and assume that it's going to pour in fucking October? I mean, are you that kind of person? Uh, and, you know, each person has to answer that for themselves. I think more often than not, the listener to this kind of show isn't that kind of person. You're turning off those shows because you'd rather hear a little perspective. But I'm certainly not telling you, and I hope you hear this point and, you know, hear it, hear it well. This is not a show about it's all okay. This is a show about the things that are wrong are fixable. I can't tell you why they haven't been fixed yet. I have faith because of faith in the people behind the decisions that they will fix it and the talent deficits that get leaned upon by people who I don't think quite understand all that's going on and don't have the time to research it. I get it. It's an overnight job. You you have to fucking file something in the middle of the night on a late game. That sucks. You can't rewatch it. You can't figure it out. But I think if it, a lot of the crutches that come out of that scenario sort of drive the narrative for the week. Uh, Collinsworth's comments about nobody open, that'll drive the narrative for the week and say, hey, he played in the NFL too, but he's seen a lifetime and not reviewing it to find out he's wrong. And he was wrong a lot last night's show. And that sucks. So, you know, I, I think there are so many different crutches that people can clinch or sort of uh, cling to uh, and some of them are easy and and maybe some of it's like you know what fuck it it's it crutches are easier 
why do I have to get in the weeds here with Chatham and, and, and this show? I can understand that as well. If you're frustrated as a fan, this is one of those weeks where I think it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty uh, reasonable to be frustrated because the pieces are there. The pieces aren't doing all that they could be. And you never expect it to be 100%. But you'd expect this group to operate at maybe an 85% efficiency rate, maybe even closer to 90 with the quality of people they have, the quality of players they have really on both sides of the ball. But when you start operating at a 65 to 75 kind of percent clip, that's just not enough. You give away a player two or three per drive in your 10 to 12 deck, and that's too much. That's too much. It can't be, uh, oh, close play, but didn't quite get it, where there's too many of these. Wow, that was just blown. Like, wow, uh, you know, that, that just wasn't executed well enough. And I'm all of a sudden not going to say a bird can't fly just because he doesn't. Uh, He'll fly next time, I presume, but there's more than enough here to get him airborne, but it's just not happening. So, uh, again, let's uh, let's sort of dive in here to just a couple plays that I thought were sort of the encapsulators, I'll call them. I think the kind of plays that tell a story different than a lot of the, the crutches. I'll rely on just two here, okay, because this will get unusually lengthy. We'll get into the four-hour kind of show, which I know you don't want to do this. You don't want me you know, dragging teeth across the pavement and going through every play in a game like this. You'll just sort of have to trust my takeaway that uh, a little tweak here or there, and it can be better. And, and in fairness, if you've heard me say that before, I'd say, yeah, but you said that in the Philly game. Well, they didn't do it. <laughs> okay, they, You know, they, they didn't advance. And, you know, a part of this is a uh, a historical trust, a historical gamble, knowing the players uh, that they will adjust. Because I think part of it, and you hear this in post game, is I do kind of trust when I hear a veteran that really gets it, like James White, like Dev, like uh, like Brady himself, uh, like the, the guys that'll come back and say, "We just can't do this. We just can't do X, Y, and Z. You can't expect to win on the road like that." And again, I point back to that one series where. It's a, what is it, a 14-play drive or whatever with three penalties on it. And all three penalties unseat the drive. You just can't keep shooting your toe and then sprinting back up to just into the blocks where you started. That's that's too difficult a way uh, to win on the road, especially against a pretty talented team. So anyhow, let's go play-by-play play here. And not through the entire game, just a couple that I thought it was like, yes, this, this is that play. Um, the red zone play, uh, the very final third down play of the first drive. One thing that I think you will notice throughout this game is, by and large, as an on average kind of statement, the Patriots were really good on running first down runs. You got a lot of fours, fives, and sixes throughout the game. Some from Sony, some from Rex. There are even some sub ones from James later. But, uh, I think that was a really nice sort of hidden surprise here that when you're picking back through the film as a staff, when you're picking back through the film as a player, you go, yeah, we're, we're not that far away. And that, and again, that just fuels the frustration for being close, but doing not taking advantage of the sort of, of advantages you give yourself with some positive plays. So this is the one that sort of makes me just go, oh, you know, and I think they'll go, oh, themselves. Sound effects, no actual words, just grunts and groans and eye rolls and throwing to papers and things like that. But that third down play in the red zone, first drive, I think this was an option where a play where where the quarterback Tom Brady uh, quit on the play too early. Now you're down here awful low. I don't I didn't write down a distance here for me. I believe it's like third and four, maybe third and six, third and seven, something like that. Third and inside ten, a doable down distance for them, down deep in the red zone. The issue here is you got a three man rush, so you're sending 
as, as an absolute pot, uh, total that you're even allowed to, five out in the pattern. That's the most human beings that can go out in the pattern, right? Five eligible, eligible receivers. They can only send out five, and they have eight to drop if you only rush three. And the, the, the Texans only rush three. A three-man rush on the inside the 10 on third down, and with the three-man rush coming and no sort of hit on the quarterback or no impending tackle, Brady threw it into the stands over one of the doubled elements. So you look at that play and you say, you can't quit on that play against a three-man rush if there's no impending sack, if there's no impending hit on the quarterback. And honestly, at that point on third down, I mean, I guess they're just protecting the field goal by not taking the sack. But I just think that's an example where Tom easily could have slid and extended that play to his right but didn't. So I think that's quarterback error, and I think it's a critical one because it's the difference between three and four, and we spent the whole first half talking about how it was a, you know, an 11-point deficit as opposed to a single. And that single was a, is a big deal. Uh, the single score. Um, that's a that's a it's a different face on the game. And you look back at that play. It's a three man rush. Brady would have had to slide slightly, but he wasn't pressured to the point where someone could have touched him. Someone was in a throwing lane. Someone was on him. That was just a, a bit of a panic and a toss into the stands towards Dorsett, who was running the back line and had a corner chasing him and a hole player. So the hole player is the middle linebacker. The middle is sort of the low zone player. Doesn't really have a responsibility. He backs into that route. So the only way Brady Brady maybe could have lofted it over. I, I, mean, I shouldn't even say that. Basically, he threw it to the route that wasn't going to be completed. And he threw it over his head in the stands. Now I would totally understand and this would be bad analysis on my part if I said, hey, you know, uh, you know, he, he should have done something else if there was like an impending sack. If it's like, oh, he's he's about to be tackled. He just couldn't swing his eyes right toward the, some of the other stuff was going on. But that wasn't it. I think he quit before the play was over. And quit's the wrong word, but I think he, he panicked a little bit. He threw it in the stands. And that's a play that has to be extended. Dorsett was covered on the back line. Uh, th- that, and that's where it ends up being airmailed. Uh, and here's the problem with that. So as I mentioned before, let's review here. And I'm going long on this particular play because I think it's really important. I think it's an encapsulator. We'll call it that. Uh, three-man rush. So you have, you know you have eight. Eight coverage people somehow, some way in that closed and tightened room. So there's eight people and the room is smaller in coverage. And you're sending out five. What does that tell you? If you could double one, two, or three. You double three people. That gets six of the coverage guys out. Uh, and then you have two guys singled, right? So on this particular play, over the ball, Matt Lacoste is the tight end. He's sitting down. He's doubled over the ball. So tight end's off the board. Tom can't throw to that guy. Makes total sense. Uh, And then he's got to his left, James White, into the flat. James was doubled. Okay, now we've got four of those eight defenders off the chart, right? Two guys out. Two are doubled. There goes four defenders, right? Still got eight to work with. So got still got four to work with on the eight. There's another portion. We just talked about where I got airmailed. So your whole player, your middle guy over the ball, it's a zone player. He backs into that door set route, and door set's being chased by a man-to-man guy across the back line. There's two more defenders. So now we've covered three eligibles, and we put six defenders off the board. So now you've got two one-on-one people left. We know that just by the math. There's three, uh, three eligibles we've already to talk through each of which were doubled there's your six two other individuals are man to man and because brady did not step and slide right against just a three-man rush that hadn't got there he never saw the two singled defenders the two singled receivers and oddly enough one of them was julian and it is a zone i say singled i just say you know they haven't been sort of latched on by two but julian had run out into the right 
into the right flats, started to carry it to the sideline, sat back. Now, again, I'm screwed here by the cutoff uh, by the broadcast because I can't see just how tight the other defender was. But the real reality of it is there are two solos there. There are only two people left. And Brady gave up on the play before the play was forced to be over. And he never swung his eyes right. He never sort of uh, shift and reset it. As, he, as he's so good at doing throughout the course of his career. He does that band work. He's usually so good with pocket movement. But this was a pocket he didn't need to move from. His eyes never made it back to the single elements. If he extends that play, and against a three-man rush, you really need the quarterback to extend the play because it's, it's pretty reasonable to expect that the eight guys are going to initially, on the initial portion of the routes, latch on so that the first look isn't there. That kind of makes sense. But you extend it with three. Extend it, allow sort of the... the recess portion to happen, let them sit in zones and fit them in. That has to happen. But if you never make it to that stage because you slide, reset, and throw it into the stands, to me, it's that has to be a better quarterback play. Um, Could the routes have been better? I'm getting cut off in the broadcast of what I can see there. I, I don't know I can't critique the routes, okay? Well, all I can tell you is I know that there were two singled guys. I could at least see a portion of the right where Julian was open, but Tom's eyes never made it to him. And the what he did relative to the rush that was there was a too early bail. So, again, that's a long sort of throated uh, version of what happened in that play, but I think it's, it's a good sort of box around what was happening. Um, that needs to be seven. There were... There's opportunity, ample opportunity within that play to get it closer to that seven, but it wasn't executed. And I think that one, in part, falls on the quarterback, but there may have been routes as well, and I get cut off from that. But his eyes never made it back to the soloed stuff, and uh, again, pocket movement needs to be better, especially if you're going to get three-man rushes in the red zone, the quarterback has to move around. He has to move around and make the routes move around with him, and defending it becomes difficult. If you stay in the pocket against three-man, there's eight bodies out there. It, they become relatively uh, easy to defend. So again, I said all that, and then they were better in the second half on several of their late red zone drives. So it's not as if I think even in-game they've learned something that I'm making a big deal of here earlier in the game, but that is why that one didn't work, and it's fully capable of working better than that, but didn't on that play. The other one I'll go to, and I just think it's a it's a really helpful one because stories are going to spin out of control on this because of uh, the 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 Nikhil Harry stuff. But Nikhil Harry did not run a good route, and uh, I thought Christian Fourier did a good job. You know, former tight end, obviously he's going to see it well because he knows the route running intricacies way better than I do. But he talked about a lazy slant route. And what I talked about when I did my Nikhil Harry piece, uh, uh, was it two weeks ago, I believe it was, uh, heading into the Philly game, I think so. I think that was it, but or maybe it was coming out of Philly. But anyhow, my Nikhil Harry piece was a lot on how the, the benefit of being Nikhil is your body. You got to run a really aggressive, almost like think of it as basketball. Like when you run, you run a quick slant, especially uh, against a smaller defender. The, the, what you have is your body. What you have is your length. That's the asset. If you stop a little on the route or you let a little dude reach around you or let a little dude kind of push you out of where you want your stem to be, that's not a good route. And those are the things you learn as an older player. And, you know, it, to, to hear Christian sort of characterize it the way he did, that's kind of all the information I need. Those guys know more about it. If he looks at it and sees me, no, it's a terrible route. You cannot let that guy sneak around to the side. You have to continue running through the route and prevent him from getting in there, making sure it's your body and your hands out in front 
that that are sort of the the obstacle to the defensive back ever getting near it. I mean, that again, it's harder to ask that of James White. It's harder to ask that of Phil Dorsett. It's not hard to ask that of the 6'4 guy with long arms. So you don't have to know all the multi sort of downfield read stuff that we know is the sort of 201 and 301 parts of the, the Patriots offense. But that's a good play to show that route just needs to be run better. And in saying that, um, I think it's also a play where there is a very easily sort of rewind and research thing to show you that that wasn't the only thing going on in the route. So it's a massive failure, but you don't come away from that massive failure relative to the route the dude run ran and Brady putting it, I think where you want, you should reasonably safely think you can put it because even if it's broken up a PBU kind of thing, you got the big man between the defender and the ball, but it was a bad route. And I think that's, it's a bad route in the event that he didn't at least just knock it down. You end up with a pick and the quarterback saying, what the fuck dude, it's a slant route. Get your big butt between him and and the defender, uh, the defender of the ball. Uh, so, I don't think there's any doubt that that massively affected how much Brady was going to target him again because that is where the trust thing, air quote trust thing, comes in. Because you know that's someone some. That's a, that's a play where when the ball is leaving the quarterback's hands, he's open. There's going to be some close as the ball rise, but he has to know it's not going to be picked or he can't go back to you. And that's probably where the biggest concern comes from. Now, Nikhil did get more plays. I think his play count was into the 20s or something like that, uh, 30-something percent overall. But he blocks really well, So, but I think he was just brought in to just be a decoy at that point. So that was trust deficit. But why I don't accept the trust over the course of the entire game is because it doesn't apply to Sanu. It doesn't apply to Ben Watson. It doesn't apply to Jules, obviously. He's the one that is sort of being argued that the only one that is trusted. Uh, but there are... It doesn't apply to James White. I mean, there's so many other people out in the route that Tom clearly does truly trust. Um, but I think tape will make him more aware of the good stuff Matt Lacoste is doing on the route but not getting balls. I think it'll make him more aware. Maybe check out Watson more often. Check out uh, some of these other guys as the low element more often. This was one of those plays. But now one thing I wanted to highlight in there, that yes, the Nikhil Harry portion of it is the fail, but I don't want people to think that well, without that, he had to throw to him. There was nothing else going on. It's not unreasonable for Tom to go to that. He should go to that. It, it's a good matchup, but it's a badly run rookie kind of route. Myers, though, Nick, uh, Jacoby Myers, was open in the middle of the field. A little middle read, sort of a post-action kind of thing, back shortish post, what do you call it? Like a, that's what we call it, middle read. So he's, he's running up the slant and then up the, up, the, up the hashes and then ended up between the hashes, beating the safety there to the spot. Jacoby Myers is wide open. Jacoby Myers got open a lot in this game. So again, if if you're please don't be that person that's willing to accept the narrative of people not being open because that shit doesn't hold up. Uh, it doesn't hold up for for Sanu on a lot of cases. Sanu had a drop on third down that was painful. Uh, but there's a lot of instances where Sanu was open. There's a lot of instances where Sanu was covered up and Brady wanted it and wasn't able to throw it. But and I think that is kind of one of the deals that leads the sort of leads people to believe people weren't open is if the guy that he was looking at wasn't open. That doesn't mean everyone else wasn't. That just means the moment where he wanted to go, that guy wasn't open. But you'll I think everyone learns from that. Coordinators learn from that. Offensive line coaches learn from that. The backs uh, coaches, Ivan Fears, and the guys learn from that saying, uh, okay, yeah, let's look around the rest of the pattern. Who is consistently getting open? And I got to do a better job as a quarterback remembering that they're out there, you know, remembering that uh, to quickly scan away from elements that aren't immediately open as opposed to waiting them out and then, then the protection doesn't hold and then it does get to me. 
I think there were a number of those situations in this game. This isn't a great example of that, but I did want to highlight that the Harry route uh, was bad at the same time where the Myers route was quite good. So, you know, you can't find a these rookies story to go with that because it works for one and not the other on that particular play. And it isn't just Tom, you know, being done with the young guys and just, you know, pumping it to Jules over and over again because Myers got targeted quite a bit in the second half. I think there's a relationship growing between those two. And, uh, you know, he's he's a positive player for this this offense. Now, there's one other play uh, uh, where uh, you may recall this where, where Myers ran sort of an up and out. And I put this uh, I put this on Twitter. I think I threw this video out there, but it was one of those plays where this is where I wanted to get. This is the play I wanted to use as an example to folks about all three things needing to work together. Not being a hundred percent, but you need to be like eighty percent or ninety percent uh, as you could possibly be at these three things. Call it ninety. The route has to be 90, not perfect, but 90. It has to be pretty much exactly what needs to happen relative to the coverage. It has to be timed well. It has to be broke off the right area. It has to be fought through with the ball. It has to have the right landmarks and depth and all those kind of things. So route, yeah, route's got to be pretty good. Uh, the protection's got to be pretty good. doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have five people stoned at the line of scrimmage with Brady able to sort of do backflips and handstands in the back there. It doesn't have to be that, but it has to be pretty good. It has to be 90%. If someone gets a little protection, there needs to be other spot where he can slide and reset to. So again, doesn't have to be perfect. has to be good enough, though. And uh, this play I'm talking about is going to be one where the protection wasn't. And then the quarterback doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be there's five routes out there, four plastered. you got to find that one sort of route in the maze that, you know, that you have to be an absolute sort of rocket scientist to find. It's not that either. There, you have to locate the general areas where the coverage will tell you there's likely to be some openings. And then you have to find one, two, or three of those quickly. Scan through them and get it out of your hand. A number of times I thought in this game where Brady was a tick slow or a tick off with the completion uh, where it wasn't catch and run enough or it wasn't quite accurate enough or it's late enough to where you can't get the catch, catch and run element or was sent to a place where it wasn't the most open of the two of the two opportunities out in the route. So all those things happen. It kind of just depends upon which play we're talking about. So kind of remember those things as sort of golden rules. They're, it's really, really hard, even for somebody like me who's studying this over and over and over again and trying to give you one big blanket statement. One big blanket statement that applies to 60 plays, unless you just go with the, they need to overall execute better, you're probably going to fail. So I try to encourage listeners of the show not to do the, you know, the stool crutch stuff, the stool leg stuff. So on this particular route that I'm talking about, uh, Marcus Cannon gets beat off the right side way too quickly, I believe, by number 54 again. He was really, really making uh, uh, trouble with his speed rushes off the edge. Just quick and then just enough to like tap Brady on the shoulder, swipe at his head sort of thing to make him duck and get out of it. And I thought Tom was bothered by it. You could tell that he was bothered by it. And when he's having to worry about ducking and stepping by that, it's in those moments where his eyes are not able to stay downfield because he's got to dodge that first one. Now, the first one's not going to get him down, but it's 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 dangerous enough to where it pulls his eyes or pulls his body out of the lane he needs to be in to deliver the ball. This is one where Jacoby Myers had a really nice out route at the sticks, 
Brady didn't deliver it early at the sticks, and then he motioned to him to wheel the route up. And then he throws the wheel route and extends it down the field, uh, but Jacoby stopped on it. So I think that was one of the routes where, you know, that's the improvised portion on the turn it up field, but he was missed earlier in the route. I, you'd love to see Brady, and I think they watch it and they go, damn it, I actually had him, didn't deliver it early enough. If I hit him on the outs, he gets a catch and rod situation, lead him into the run, and it's a conversion. Yet, the incompletion that's shown is the incompletion on the portion later where, yeah, then the, 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 the communication problem happens. Jacoby stopping on the wheel and Brady extending the wheel. So it's like there was a mistake by quarterback early that, that doesn't get it out in time that is influenced by the, uh, influenced by, by the protection portion. And then at the end of it, yeah, the, the rookie you know, has a miscommunication with the quarterback. So it's all those things. That's the big point. It's never, it's not any one of the three. You got to have all three. And if there's ticks out of all three parts, well, then you just, you're not, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to have a successful day. And I think that's really the biggest, biggest story of all this. Now, I've gone in here 40 minutes on this show and not even gotten to the defensive portion. I think in part, I'll wrap that in a quick 60 seconds. It's maybe short shifting it a little too much, but I think it's a defense that's overtaxed right now. I think it's a defense that's incredibly capable, that it, that can uh, force turnovers, uh, that can get out there and show you their absolute best, but they can't be given, hey, we gave you a three and out, and we got to go and fix some things. Or they have an extended drive, an 8-10 to 10 player, where they hold them to a field goal. Okay, fine. Let us go over and fix some stuff. And then they're right back out there three plays later. That's a problem. There was one three and out that the Patriots had early in that first half that were three passes in a row. Uh, I believe all three incompletions, or all three not enough anyway. And they're back off the field, so very little time comes off the clock. The defense barely rests your butt cheeks on that on those benches, and you're back out again before you really get much time into the, the tablets and all that kind of stuff. I think that part of the complimentary absolutely has to be better. I think you'll magically, not magically, but see the defense perform more like what you're used to if you don't have those series. Should they respond better than them? Yeah, you want them to. Yeah, but I think there's too many times here where they're set up to fail. Are there more minutia? Uh, are there more ways I could sort of make this into a two-hour show and talk about sort of the pickup and man-to-man with the linebackers and backs and tight ends? And now that kind of got them a couple times about the coverage decisions and some of the verticals and the way they handle those and maybe the ways they can handle them differently next time. Yes, definitely. There are plays and ways, scheme choices, tackling, I think uh, was an issue that crept up a couple plays that extended some drives, one of which became a touchdown drive. There are scheme stuff. There are tackling execution stuff. There are pickup stuff in man-to-man versus backs and tight ends. Those would be their three reasonable pillars, accurate pillars about things going on with the defense. But I just don't want to spend too much time on that. I think the the average listener ear is going to want to know way more what's going on with the Patriots offense. Uh, And if those things fix themselves over time, four weeks to do it, may not all come together this week. Uh, But if you do those things, the pressure off this defense to be perfect uh, will, will not be there. And that'll make all the difference in the world. I'm not going to look ahead to Kansas City. I can't predict right now at this point what parts they'll fix. I do have relative to the offense. I do believe the Patriots have the pieces. And that's a professional opinion. It's not a friend of the player's opinion. It's certainly not a former player of their opinion. It's a That's the... I don't know, the blue team. The blue team has a good enough quarterback who can play better. The birth certificates are relevant. I've seen him play better. He's not bad to say play, play better for three drives in this particular game. And it's not just because they were late. It wasn't prevent defense. It wasn't prevent defense. Scream it from the 
from the rafters. That's not what that was. That was just them being better at the things they weren't so good at early in the game. Um, their, their quarterback can absolutely fix this. I suspect he'll fix this. I'm not certain they'll fix this because of the up-and-down nature of the season. So that's kind of where things sit with that. Can the offensive line play better? Absolutely. Will they play better? I think so. Um, but I'm not certain there either. They're going to need to come up with some continuity. If Ted Karras is ex- injured here for an extended amount of time, where where in the kind of plays they run with James Ferentz are going to be different. They seem to be much more comfortable with him as a pass protector than as a grinding run guy. He's a smaller dude, but maybe working in concert and doubles, he'll be good at that. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to sort of flesh that out a little more heading into the Kansas City week. Uh, health at right tackle. Marcus getting back to being old dominant Marcus, that will be helpful because there were too many sort of questionable stuff about whether it was locked down over there. And I'm saying all that, and it makes me skip over the, I'm sure, 50-plus plays where he had where he did do the right thing and did do well. But it was a, an area that had some cracks that usually doesn't, and that can sort of set other things into motion that you don't want to have happen when you're trying to sort of complete a play. Um, and, and I'd say one sort of final part to this is really finding the areas in the, excuse me, the kinds of plays and the people within those plays that you can send more attention, that you that a better game plan will uh, send the offense's attention, send the quarterback's attention that way. We didn't get to see a lot of catch and run in this game. There really wasn't a lot of it. And uh, I know there have been years and years and years of people uh, that are sort of Patriots haters sort of derogatorily talking about the dink and dunk stuff. I would love to see dink and dunk again. Uh, and it's it's because it, dink and dunk is mastery. I think right now we're seeing a lot less mastery. I think we're seeing the holding the ball longer, holding the long ball, lo, the, the ball longer and not getting to that quick concept that gets it out. That doesn't allow the defense to react in time. I think we're more getting longer holds and longer pockets and then failures either downfield or in the, the intermediate area area, uh, whether or not it be the quarterback finding the right one or the, you know, just the protection old dump or whatever it may be. So I think quickness, uh, ex, ex, exceptional sort of diagnosis by the quarterback will take this group a long ways. Kill them with a thousand paper cuts. Shoot, the, the, the Texans did that on a couple drives of the Patriots. It was a lot of the that stuff. And that stuff works. And that stuff is good. You go back and look at how the, 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 the Niners drove on the on the – uh, on the Ravens on a couple of their scoring drives. It was a lot of that. Run game and then peck away, peck away, peck away until you finally get the, the shot play. And we all know the Ravens are doing that to people themselves. So it, it that is not a bad thing. <laughs> I, know, I think I would like to see less of Brady having to feeling like he has to press the ball downfield to Julian and, and double team stuff. I would like to see him stare at that and make the cover go to that and then drop to the low stuff. Uh, because I think when he gets back to picking people apart in the low and intermediate area, one and a half seconds into a play, that's when his greatness really comes out. So, um, you know, as a former teammate and buddy, I want to see that from him. And I know it's still in there. Um, all you got to do is watch a few drives in the second half to, to be reminded of that. So, we'll see where this all goes. Hope this was at least mild, mildly entertaining, at least to kind of you know, get the blood pressure that was boiling down to sort of closer to room temperature, which is still a little too warm, but, uh, you know, you're not going to feel good about anything from this show, but at least hopefully we can have a sane conversation about it, a sane sort of put a box around all that's going on. Nothing in what I said here is going to tell you that it is definitively going to change, but what you should be shying away from is the person or the outlet or the 
whatever that tells you it can't be because that that's that's stupid. So we'll see where it goes. It's problem solving league. There's a problem before the Patriots offense right now. Think they can solve it? Trust the people in the positions that are going to have to solve it. Uh, we'll just stop, sit back and watch and see how it goes down. And that's it. This is the Razor Show. I'm Matt Chatham. Hope you enjoyed it. This is uh, never easy to do, but we got to kind of go through the process a little bit like the team. It's painful, but uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Bye bye now.